KCR FM New York. This is Jazz Alternatives. My name is Mitch Goldman. It's Monday, six o'clock. And you know, because you're often here with us on Mondays, that uh, we do this great thing sometimes. This program we call Deep Focus. And uh, we have a guest in the studio. And the guest and I explore a uh, some of our vast... WKCR archives, not just like a random survey, but we zone in on one particular theme, one moment, one aspect of the music, and tonight's one of those nights. And uh, very happy to introduce a guest tonight, Ben Porowski. You know, you've seen behind the battery, the drums many times in New York for a number of years, and... Uh, Ben, welcome to WKCR. Good to be here, Mitch. So uh, you and I got in touch and we started uh, swatting around some ideas and it quickly uh, zeroed in on one particular moment in the music and a handful of artists that you wanted to talk about. Maybe you could tell us what we're going to hear tonight. Okay, so the, f- the first musician that came to mind when uh, Mitch asked me who one of my main influences or the, my the you know my biggest hero or whatever you want to call it uh was Tony Williams the great Tony Williams drummer musician composer you know genius innovator on the drums uh Tony Williams Anthony Williams so that got me to thinking about the, the band that he you know he was in with Miles in in the 60s uh so we zeroed in on that band but then we zero even got in a little closer it's deep focus it's you got to get you got to get all so the way in there we decided man. to go with 1967 the fall tour in Europe recently there was a a three record thing that came out um, a lot of us geeks had already had heard all that stuff, um, and now it's out on on CD, you know, for everybody else to to buy. But but you found some <laughs> other goodies in your vault. There's so, always more. There's um, always... We're gonna we're gonna get into that. And stuff. one of the cool things about this is that uh, the shifting landscape that this band plays with such free swinging confidence. Mm-hmm. that the sound and the texture just varies immensely from moment to moment, let alone yeah. from one night to another. Oh, yeah. They're, they're really pushing all kinds of boundaries, I think, in, in, this, in this 
specifically in this quintet, um, you can tell that things are just like they're just breaking every rule possible and reinventing things and going for as they're pushing it as far as they could push it, I think. And, and, and then, you know, it, you, you can tell that, that they, they just, they got as far as they could get. And then things changed the next year, everything, you know, things started getting a little more away from walking bass lines and acoustic instruments and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, they, they, I feel like this sort of is the, the, the sort of peak. Yeah. 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 This band, uh, well, this has, uh, been called Miles Davis's second great quintet. So, uh, after his first band sort of exploded, he gathered a bunch of youngsters to play with him, relatively speaking to him. So it's Miles Mm -hmm. Davis playing trumpet, Wayne Shorter, Mm-hmm. is on tenor saxophone, mm-hmm. Herbie Hancock piano, Ron Carter on the bass, Tony Williams on the drums. And they've been together for a number of years at this point, but through that whole time, mm-hmm. the structure is loosening up and their common language is just getting... They're developing it, yeah. yeah. They, are, they all are individually for sure, but also this group identity emerges that's just yeah. so powerful. Yeah, And this is kind of the end before... Miles once again busted everything up and uh, right. <laughs> re rewrote the architecture. Yeah, no, it's funny because all of them did too. Yes. individually. Yes. like they all went, they all sort of went in another direction. Yeah, and it's uh, also interesting. This is just as the emergence of this electronic instrument improvised music started emerging that people often attribute to. Miles Davis, but I think Tony Williams actually was on that before Miles was, and I think he kind of opened the door to that for Miles, which is Makes another huh. All right. interesting aspect of this. Yeah. Whoa. So we're going to we start. We're going to get phone yeah. calls too from from all of our crit- critic fan, uh, fans. I don't know if we fans. can even stop them if we want to, because <laughs> <laughs> then they can tell us like, "What are you talking about? I, uh, what?" <laughs> Oh, they'll find us. They'll find <laughs> us. But uh, hopefully they'll also get to enjoy the music. We're going to start out in uh, the lovely city of Rotterdam Great. in the Netherlands. Great. And, uh, Which is now where the North Sea Jazz is. Yeah. There yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but this is in a theater, right? Or no? Uh, it's in a venue called Didolen, which is a big um, – I've never been there. I've been to Rotterdam. I don't remember – this venue, but it's, uh, I think it's like a, an arena. I think it's well, like a small arena. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll look it up. Uh, I'll get some more information. It doesn't sound like an arena on the, on the, the recording. They must have close mic'd everything or. Yeah. Yeah. You but, can tell they close mic'd the drums cause they sound a little bit like they don't, they sound a little like, like, or he tuned them really low that night or something. Cause they definitely don't sound like they usually do. Well, I notice, uh, the various venues, on this tour are all large major venues mm. um they're at the yeah i mean miles was a, you know he's a big draw this band is a big draw yeah they were and, on tour with like the king of yeah the top yeah yeah um they're well produced well promoted shows in significant concert venues a lot of them are uh classical halls actually mm. um i don't think that's true of this particular one there were definitely a lot of uh, 
rock bands playing to Dolan, and uh, I think it's still there. I'll get a little more information for us. All right. All right, everybody, you got your uh, WKCR jetpack on? You're I think the first to... track is Footprints. Yes. Wayne Shorter. Yeah, and Wayne takes the first solo. And uh, you're listening to WKCR. I'm Mitch Goldman. Ben Porowski is my guest. It's Deep Focus. Subject is Miles Davis Fall 1967 with the second great quintet on WKCR. Thank you. 
fascinating, one of the many fascinating things about this group is they don't really stop in between songs. Not at all. <laughs> so if you're just joining us, let me uh, tell you where you are at. You're listening to WKCR 89.9 FM or maybe WKCR.org or WKCR HD1. Not quite sure what that is, but we're broadcasting on it. And uh, my name is Mitch Goldman. The show is called Deep Focus. And man, it's getting deep and getting deeper. My guest tonight, Ben Porowski. And we are shining a bright light on Miles Davis, fall 1967, as the second great quintet shatters. And uh, before our very eyes, we're at Didolin in Rotterdam in uh, I think it's right around this time of year, actually, um, 48 years ago. Wow, right. Yeah. So uh, we heard Footprints and Round Midnight. Right. And although both recognizable, but uh, kind of made out of silly string or something. I mean, mm-hmm. the structures are just... Uh, more elastic than anybody. The structures are actually there. The only thing that are, that's there. <laughs> well, I'm not but a yeah. musician. Ben. I know. I'm good. That's so. Right. <laughs> let me ask you to break it down for us. So a yeah, they're bit. just they they're this the the basic structure of the of the songs are there, but the way they're playing on them is is like you know, don't try that this at home. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's there's so one of the things that Miles as a leader did I think is he made everybody feel comfortable enough to go out on a limb you know he wanted that and encouraged it and sort of inspired that so they're bringing it yeah know? and they're you know and they're all like 12 years old and they got all that energy you know <laughs> yeah yeah energy and and imagination and a healthy dose of ego I think they're all rock stars. They, I mean, (laughs) yeah, some of them more than others, but yeah, pretty much all of them, right? Yeah. Oh, did we even announce who it is? Well, uh, the second great quintet, and I say that I don't know if you can hear it. There are the quotations in my voice when I say the second great quintet. It's been referred to Mm. that way. But uh, Miles Davis playing trumpet, Wayne Shorter tenor saxophone, Herbie Hancock piano, Ron Carter on the bass, Tony Williams on the drums. Those are probably familiar names to you if you're a fan of this music they're certainly very familiar names to you and if they're not then uh well you're in for a treat listening to this music and all of them each of them went on to do they're things all of icons at this point it's yeah like in the jazz world and music world yeah Oh, yeah. I was the one person that didn't turn my phone off <laughs> yeah, it's, always, it's always the drummer. <laughs> and I never have it on either <laughs> So, uh, I got to ask you, I don't say this because uh, I assume that as a drummer, Ben Porowski, by the way, fantastic musician, a drummer, band leader, doing three different gigs with three different bands that, are you leading or co-leading each of those bands? Or they're just... Um, Co-leading the two of them. One of them I'm sort of, quote-unquote, leading. Well, so, yeah, 
you got, you got a pretty full plate. <laughs> I booked all three of them. <laughs> okay, well then, yeah, then you're you're a leader. <laughs> I put it all together. Um, and I want to ask you about. I it. made T-shirts. So it's, it's my tour. Oh, this is a thing next already. Next week, you know, I'm on tour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fourth, fifth, and sixth. November fourth and fifth and sixth. Cancel all your plans. You're not going to want to miss Ben Porowski doing his uh, two borough tour. Mm-hmm. And um, we're going to talk about that. Yeah. But. Uh, you're a drummer. I don't assume that uh, you listen to music from the just from the perspective of being a drummer, but there's a whole lot coming out of the drums mm-hmm. in this recording, and maybe you could uh, expand on that a little bit. Oh, wow. Well, Tony, yeah, I mean, he's just, you know, so far ahead at at this point. I mean, he always was, really, but... Uh, I hate to even talk about him in, in the past tense. It's kind yeah. of really upsetting. But um, it's, just, it's hard to believe that he's not here. But You know, I was actually on the air when mm. we got word that he had passed. Wow. And uh, Yikes. Yeah, call came in and we just like went right into memorial yeah. mode. And yeah. it was shocking. Horrible. He died very young. It was, yeah. And suddenly. Yeah, horrible. yeah. So, but he was, you know, I mean, he really was an innovator. I I think, you know, he really did change the way people play the drums, you know. I mean, a lot of people before him also did, you know, but like he, he really, I'm, you know, he pushed things from... You know, from 1960-whatever to, was it when he got in? Something like that. He was was a teenager. Already, he was playing in a very innovative way, and you could tell that he was definitely looking for new ways to approach the instrument. and, um, And purely on a technical level, he was doing things that, that nobody had done before. You know, um, except for Roy Haynes, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's kind of true, actually, isn't it? <laughs> no, I mean, you know, you got to get up. Got to give it up to Roy Haynes, and who, who Roy Haynes is still with us, and um, still playing amazing. So, but um, Tony also studied with Alan Dawson in Boston, and um, so he had, he had a really good foundation. Just, just on a technical level but he was he was a conceptualist I mean you can listen to his records you know and he's not just like playing playing the textbooks and there were no textbooks then anyway but yeah true he was he was writing them yeah I mean you listen to the these recordings and they don't it's interesting um these shows are sort of parallel to the records that were coming out from this group. And it's a lot of the same music. A lot of the songs that you're going to hear tonight are from albums like ESP and Miles Smiles that were coming out around this time, but they don't yeah. really sound like studio recordings. And um, I mean, if you just isolate in your ears what is coming from the drums, it's it's astounding. It's mm. And it still sounds fresh like it's just happening right now before you Mm. and it's it's 
seems to be almost independent of the pulse of the beat. And, you know, he, he's not necessarily hitting that downbeat, but you know exactly where it is. Mm. And certainly the guys mm. on the bandstand know exactly where it is. And mm-hmm. is that... Uh, how does that work? How do you do that? <laughs> how, do you, how do you make people Somebody hear something Somebody holds up a big playing? sign and says, <laughs> right. one. Right. I mean, you're hearing something that, that he's not doing, but he's making you hear it almost. You know, you're, you're feeling it. Well, I mean, that, that's interesting. I mean, something that was, I think, was going on in this band a lot is implying things without having to like go state state that you know like Wayne was a master at, at just like he would just play a few notes and you know t- things would just t- take a quick sharp turn or or Herbie also and or Tony would just lay out you know like so there was a lot of imp- implication going on the time was the the time was moving and they they and but also that's the thing miles miles again inspired that he told him don't play don't play if you don't if if you're not hearing anything stop stop playing leave some space he was master of space so they were, they were all learned from him too you know and then so then now you got the time going on and it's there but nobody's stating it necessarily whereas if you rewind the clock to 1964, even right, that wasn't happening. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. The phone, too. the phone lines might be ringing. You know, people might be, but you know, I'm not the authority on, on any of this. So, <laughs> okay. so, but I'm I'm just a huge fan, um, and it's inspired me as a player and so many other peers of mine. So. But like, yeah, it was a lot of implication. They're not necessarily stating things, and then all of a sudden, bam! Everybody comes down together. Out of it seems like it's out of nowhere, but it's not. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because they're they're so on the same page together. Yeah, because there's they've been, you know, they've been learning these forms and playing on the on them and on these structures for for so long, and they're just such you know accomplished musicians that they're able to do that. You talk about how much things changed in this band between, say, 64 and 67, and I can't not think of how things changed in the world during that time. I know. It's crazy, right? What? Yeah. I mean, and, and even being a little kid in New York, you were aware of that and saw that, how people didn't look the same. They didn't dress the same. They didn't talk the same. They were thinking about different things. Their politics were transforming, mm-hmm. at least, you know, in certain circles. It's hard to, to see that now. Yeah. When, you, you know, when it's when you, what are they, so the, from the forest from the trees? Yeah. But, but I don't know if it was as drastic, if it's been as drastic in our present day as it was back then. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Um, Seems. I don't think it was. <laughs> I think it was. It was a really. I mean, you know, all this has been talked about and written about extensively, but I'm just, uh, you know, kind of experiencing it in the moment of hearing this music and thinking about 
um, you know, how much things were changing in the art world and architecture, like mm -hmm. all these things were right. in massive flux. And it was like there was this new expanding languages and possibilities mm -hmm. emerging. Mm -hmm. That sense of possibility of emergence, I don't think, uh, I don't think we really have a cognate to that now. Mm -hmm. And then, the, like the in the rock and roll world, was exploding. Yeah, the, everything on the West Coast, and yeah, the whole place of jazz in popular culture was getting dusted out by uh, youth culture, rock and roll. All that was happening at the same but time. But Miles too. was able to jump onto that and, <laughs> and then keep playing at those same venues that they were all playing at, which is amazing. Yeah, and yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah, he was, you know, they used to say, don't trust anybody over 30, except Miles Davis. <laughs> 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 He's okay. <laughs> Somehow he dodged that one. I don't know how, but he <laughs> did it. And uh, and this that's another interesting thing, too, is people talk about... They found out how old Sly Stone was. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> um, that uh, people think of the electric music that Miles was getting ready to do as this complete massive departure from his previous music. But other than plugging in, you've got a lot of the same elements in what we're hearing mm. in 67. Mm -hmm. and you've got that, that looser structure. I mean, if anything, they're really musically probably farther out than where the electric stuff would go. Yeah. I mean, it's, especially if you connect the dots, because the next band that happened a year later, or not even maybe, I, I don't know the date that Dave Holland came on, yeah, or the date that Tony left the band and Jack came on. I think yeah. it, I know it was '68 because I have the first gig on cassette. And then Chick Corea, right? On, yeah, but Electric. Chick and Herbie were playing sort of together for a minute, and you know it was definitely a. He Miles was doing that a lot when he changes his band. He sort of brings in one guy, and they play together. I once saw a gig with Miles with Mike Stern and Schofield. That was cool. Wow, hmm. <laughs> interesting. But um, I yeah I don't know what what was I going to say? Oh, about the electric stuff. Uh oh, that band with Jack and Chick was you know so they spent a year and if you listen to everything that they did leading to to bitches brew it makes it makes a lot of sense you know yeah that's absolutely the, but it was only a year yeah yeah and, and he put out silent way right and so this is uh all this transformation going on at this time and here's this extensive tour major venues across the continent and uh I think we should go back to Rotterdam. Yeah. Shall we? Yes. Yes. So How do you uh, say that? <laughs> we're we are in we're in Rotterdam. Rotterdam in the Netherlands. And the date of this one, um, I'm gonna tell you. October thirtieth. So almost exactly forty eight years ago, nineteen sixty seven. Amazing. Herbie this is the way we say it. Herbie Wayne. Uh, Ron Tony with mm -hmm. Miles. Mm -hmm. We're on a first name basis. <laughs> Not because we've met these people, just because <laughs> spending too much time listening to this music. This is thrilling. Uh, this live recording, this is unreleased. Great thanks to the Dutch radio 
uh, folks that uh, made this recording. And um, there is a live three-disc set that came out of three other shows from this tour, but here's one that they missed. Well, we didn't. You're listening to Deep Focus. Ben Porowski is my guest playing three gigs next week. When we come back, I'm going to ask you about November 4th, 5th, and 6th and the three different bands you're playing with. Great. But uh, let's hear some more from... We got T-shirts available. T-shirts available. <laughs> Can you uh, download those? Are they digital T-shirts? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Locally sourced? Um, we're going to tell dirty. you where to get them. They're dirty. I have to clean them. <laughs> They would use stuff in the drum kit. All <laughs> uh, right. So back to Dedolin in Rotterdam, Miles Davis Quintet on WKCR. Thank you. 
hate to step on Miles's <laughs> toes. Miles Davis is going to reach up out of whatever place he's in and uh, down. Pull, pull, pull me reach back. Down. But um, I did have to jump in and tell you, first of all, you're listening to WKCR-FM New York or perhaps <clears throat> WKCR-HD1 or WKCR.org or some other not yet existent means of communication. But right now... It's 2015. I'm Mitch Goldman, and I have the great pleasure of being here in the studio with drummer, band leader Ben Porowski. And uh, we are presenting an episode of Deep Focus, and our focus is on Miles Davis in Europe in the fall of 1967. The, I guess it's kind of the last moments of this magnificent band that he'd been playing with for a number of years at this point. And uh, that is Wayne Shorter, Herbie Hancock, Ron Carter, Tony Williams with Miles Davis' trumpet. And uh, we heard there in that set on Green Dolphin Street as, uh, to quote Sharif Abdus Salam, as it had never been heard before. Did I get that right, Sharif? I might be uh, <laughs> mis- misquoting a little bit, exaggerating, extending, and no blues. So... Um, Miles is calling familiar tunes from the songbook. He's not, uh, it's not like they're going so far as to throw away everything that they've been doing up to this point in time in terms of mm-hmm. compositions. Right. But what they're doing with it is a whole other story. Yeah. Well, the next, the next one that, that they're about to play is, I think it's a Herbie tune, Riot. But yeah, he's been at this point. He's been playing Green Dolphin Street every night and around midnight every night for what more than twenty years. Yeah, I guess I don't know. And I love the fact that uh, the way this band can change gears. I mean, sometimes you Mm -hmm. have a band, a great band, that kind of only goes at one speed. Mm -hmm. They do it magnificently, but you know, here we hear these guys just, I mean, like dropping bombs on some of the up-tempo songs, but then they pull it back to on Green Dolphin Street and... That solo piano thing that Herbie just played, I mean, did they all just drop out and give it to him. I mean, maybe they were doing that um, every night where they drop it out, drop out and give it to him, but I don't know, maybe not. Um, but that, just now, man, that solo, the solo piano thing yeah, on, yeah, on yeah, Green yeah. Dolphin Street, I mean, that's it's like... Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And Miles, you know, his tone, his control of the shape of each sound that he makes is just sounds so complete. Mm -hmm. And he's uh, the way he's delivering the notes, the notes that he's, uh, you know, uh, tonguing or not tonguing and and. The way they move from one to the other, and the right. shape of the sound, and that, and his tone is almost timed. It almost sounds like a flute horn. It's so yeah. And in fact, it's it's true that he, he was starting to really hear some other stuff. You can tell because then bitches brew happened, and you know, people. A lot of people say like, "What is he doing? It's so different." And you know, you know, he, he was going. He was leading there, and then. Like you're saying about the bending the notes and just playing one long sound, or he was get really getting into just sound. You could tell. Yeah. 
Uh, we talked about, uh, I said we'd try to get a little more information about the venue in Rotterdam, where this show takes place, October 30th, 1967. Dodolan had been originally built several decades before and was destroyed in World War II, and it had just been rebuilt the previous year hmm. as uh, primarily a classical concert venue, which most of the shows on this tour seem to be taking mm-hmm. place in classical venues. And um, they had a few different rooms, but uh, I'm guessing that this show is in the Grotesal, the big room, 2200-seater, <laughs> I think, is where this one mm. must have taken place. So, And it's still there, I think, if you want to go and just see if there's still some vibrations moving in the air from this show. I wouldn't be surprised. But don't be thrown off by those Europe 72 vibes. That's a whole oh, that, other story. Okay, that was there, too. That, <laughs> Apparently. Oh, yeah, the Grateful Dead. Yeah. So Ben Porowski is here in the studio with us. And, Ben, thank you for taking time from your busy week because you are doing something even Miles Davis didn't do, I don't think, (laughs) playing with three different bands the same week that he was leading or co-leading. So next week, the 4th, 5th, and 6th, that's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I think, you're playing with three different bands in three Mm -hmm. different venues. Yeah. Starting, oh no, is that Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 4th, 5th, 6th? Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday, Friday. Friday. That's right. So Wednesday, you... Uh, where are you on Wednesday? What's the band on Wednesday? The, I'll be at Small's um, Jazz Club down on 10th Street, West 10th Street, um, with the great Ronnie Cooper and the great Dave Kakoski and the great Andy McKee. Um, so I used to play with Dave and Ronnie separately. Um, a bunch of made some records, blah, blah, blah. We played some gigs, but a long time ago, I'm talking about. So I just, you know, I just wanted an excuse to, to play with them. And so I pulled it together, but I'm not like the leader or anything. And, you know, so. What now? And what kind of music you guys play? We're going to just play a lot of straight ahead jazz. Nice. And Ronnie's, mostly Ronnie's favorites. Cool. <laughs> He's the senior. Yeah, you know, got to give it up. Executive, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in that crowd. Yeah, so we're, you know, we're bowing to to him for cool to for whatever whatever he wants to play, and we'll see if we add a couple others in there. And the room, I mean, it's it yeah, fits great. just fits the room. It's great. Perfect. If you have you been to Smalls, is a fantastic room. You know, you and I, Ben, have great memories of so many places. <laughs> in just about every neighborhood in this town once upon mm-hmm. a time that had that kind of feel, and there's not too many of them left in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. But uh, Smalls, you can walk in. I've never walked in there and not heard a great night of music and been surrounded by a crowd of like-minded music lovers. Yeah, it's it's a good environment. And we're playing early, like 7.30, so t- just like to sets will be done by 10 so don't get there at 10 <laughs> that's on wednesday cool the fourth yeah, and that you know well okay so that's wednesday tell us about thursday where are you on thursday thursday i'm gonna get on a plane and mm-hmm. i'm going to fly back to brooklyn and play in gowanus see now seriously back in the day when when would there have been a gig at Go- in gowanus mm, yeah no. uh no. studio maybe there was maybe wasn't, a studio uh, 
Yeah, but even then. <laughs> anyway, things have changed, yes. So Three's Brewing is a, a new place on Douglas Street. Um, there's a there's a small room there, but it's it's nice. I like it. And um, I was added on to uh, some friends of mine, um, Brittany and Adam. Um, oh, facing, anyway, Minkoff. Yeah, Adam Minkoff is going to join me a little bit. and But really I'm playing with Glenn Pacha, who's an amazing piano player and composer himself. And uh, also the great John Ellis on tenor saxophone. So that's more of an improvised band. It's because I put out a record called Mood Swing Orchestra. And we're it's more groove-oriented and future-oriented. More, much more than the Ronnie Cooper, Dave Kakowski experience. Um, <laughs> so, so that's in Gowanus at Gowanus nine o'clock at where, Three's Brewing. That's probably where on Douglas Street. Ninety percent of our audience now must be in Brooklyn. Oh yeah, I mean, I, it's like I got a nosebleed coming up here. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> and you're from here. <laughs> and then on the sixth, the next night is Friday. Um, my old pals and I are getting together. Uh, this is a cooperative band that played a lot together and put out a few records. And it's called Lost Tribe. Wow. And it's a wow. reunion gig. Wow. Original lineup. Wow. Uh, that's Adam Rogers, David Binney, David Gilmore, Fema Efron, and myself. And so we're playing 55 Bar, Back to the West Village, you know. Yes, the routing is messed up on this tour. Yeah, that's true. So what's up with that? I don't know. You're going to have to. Who booked this tour? Yeah, terrible. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so back to the West Village, 10 o'clock on Friday night, 55 bar. You Lost managed Tribe. to find the last two standing venues in the West Village <laughs> other than the Vanguard. Right. And, and like Pluto. half a block from each other. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes, we know all about those, uh, those uh, throwing the dart at the map. <laughs> now you know how it happens. Now That's you know right. why. That's right. <laughs> we used to just curse those booking agents. But, uh, but that'll this be is... 10 to 1. That's like two two sets. Nice. Late there. Going into the weekend. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, this is three really, really cool, very, very different sets of music. I'm going to summarize, if I may. Ben Porowski is our guest, if you're just jumping in the middle of this. And aside from breaking down uh, Miles Davis... 1967 for us. Wednesday night next week, the 4th, Smalls with Ronnie Cooper. Thursday, the 5th, Three's Brewing in Gowanus uh, with uh, sort of um, a version of Mood Swing Orchestra. And Friday at 55 Bar, a reunion of uh, the great... uh, your band from from eighties, nineties, 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 mostly 2000s. in the nineties. Yeah, nineties. We we started in the in the late eighties. Oh, we started in the late eighties. Yeah, but mo- most of our stuff happened in the nineties. Lost Tribe record deal. The big record deal happened in the early nineties, and yeah. then toured through that. But I think by ninety nine we were done. Three great nights of music. But we're back. Yes, yes. <laughs> You're listening to WKCR. I'm Mitch Goldman, and we are uh, 
Our focus is deep, man. Our focus is very deep on Miles Davis, 1967, touring Europe, playing these huge, beautiful venues and all the... Uh, it's nice to hear Ron Carter's notes. This is Because a, a lot know, of those live things, you couldn't hear them. This is really good sound quality. It's a very credible recording. And um, everybody is present in it. And, uh, you know, I'm really noticing the shape of the trumpet and saxophone sounds like really intricate detail. We were quibbling off mic a bit about the tonality <laughs> of the drums. Oh, oh well. But, you know, I mean, I'm, it's kind of amazing. Uh, yeah, these European radio recordings are, are very consistently very, very good, even when music yeah. that must have been very surprising. What when you have money for the arts? Exactly. Well, you know those guys. You, I mean, they literally, you see these guys in venues like wearing the equivalent of lab coats, the audio engineering crew mm -hmm. from the government-sponsored mm -hmm. radio company, and they have a nice truck full of Neumann expensive yeah. microphones and recording gear and mm -hmm. qualified people who know what they're doing making these recordings. It's... It's, and uh, making a living. Yeah, that's right. They don't just <laughs> they yeah. don't just show up for the, right. like. Oh, I'm volunteering to put <laughs> yeah. this microphone here. <laughs> yeah. Can I put this on my website? No. Okay. <laughs> no, these guys. Yeah, and and uh, so we have them to thank for being able to listen to this music. And if it weren't for this, you know, uh, you'd have the Columbia albums, which are magnificent. And for so many years, that was the last word. That's what there was. There was ESP. There was Nefertiti. There was Miles Smiles. There was, and if you had those, you had the whole story. And now finding out there's so much more to it. Mm. Well, right. there we are. Speaking so, of Nefertiti. Speaking of Nefertiti. Here comes Riot. Riot and Mascalero closing out the set. Off of Sorcerer. We are in Rotterdam. No, October 1967, WKCR. <laughs> 
It's October 26, 2015. That's a Monday. In the studio with Ben Porowski, my guest, and our topic, Miles Davis, that European tour, fall 1967. And this is part one of three. And if you're going looking for it, you could probably find Deep Focus on your favorite podcasting app on that phone in your pocket. And if not, you can always find us at the hosting site, which is mitchgoldman.podbean.com. Now, some people have told me that they've gone looking for a particular episode, and there are hundreds of episodes posted up there. It's not so easy to find them on the hosting site, but you can go to my personal website, which is mitchgoldman.com. You can go to About Deep Focus, which is a pull-down you'll see. And there's a search bar in there, a Google search bar, and plug in anything if you know the date or if you know who the guest was or who the topic was, and it should come right up. Trying to look out for you. Or pick a random show from your favorite, from wherever you're finding us, and uh, hopefully it's going to be something good. Now, what you won't find when you do this is advertising or any request for any money or anything like that. We just ask one thing, and that is that you let somebody else know about this show. If you're enjoying it, tell someone you know who loves the music. Or, if you're not going to do this, and or, you can just like us on your whatever site you're listening to it on. Give us a thumbs up. Make a comment. We'd love to hear from you. But also when you give us five stars or whatever your app allows you to do, other people are going to find it. Other people who are interested in what you're interested and they probably don't know about the show and we would love for that to happen. We're giving it all away. It's the only thing we ask in response from that, from you. So, all right, I'm glad you're along for the ride. I'll see you over at part two, October 26, 2015, Ben Porowski on Miles Davis. <laughs> 